When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Opening week. Opening week for Major League Baseball. Opening week for nothing personal here on Metal Arc. It's March 27, 2023. We made it. Coco, we did it. We are officially coming to you live. Exactly the way we came to you live on Friday, Thursday, Wednesday, and 781 times before that. Although we weren't live those whole times. But we will be live now every day, Monday to Friday. 8 a.m. Not just Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Now it's easier to say. Monday through Friday, live at 8 a.m. Nothing personal with David Sampson. Produced by Matthew Coca under the Metal Arc umbrella. We're a team now. We're this. We have a connection. Opening week of the Major League Baseball season. God, I used to love the Monday of opening week. You got through the last weekend. You can say to yourself, and we would, that we now have baseball every weekend. We'd say it to our families. We'd say it to our friends. We now are looking at 26 straight weekends, 26 straight weekends of work, whether your team is on the at home or on the road. It was usually split 13 and 13. And so 13 times you're working seven days a week. And then out of the 13 road series that are on weekends, I'd probably go to eight or nine of them. I found myself going generally out of 81 road games. I'd go to between 40 and 62 each year, plus every home game. Monday is when you go down to, if if your home opener is Thursday, on Monday you go down to the operations part of your building and you do a walk with your head of operations. You walk around the ballpark. Now, in Marlins Park, you could say they've been ready to go because of WBC, but no, They're not. That has to be completely cleaned up. All the digital boards have to be changed. They have to redo the bunting. They have to redo the stencil on the field. Instead of WBC, it's going to be an opening week. You actually get that stencil sent to you by baseball. So every team, it's not a coincidence. It's not like the same artist goes around to every ballpark. You get given to you what needs to be put on your field. You can do opening day. You can do opening week. Some people let it stay until it fades. When you do those stencils, look for that. They actually fade over time, over days. So if you don't do anything to actively get rid of them, they look sort of worn out after a week, like for your second series or your second homestand. So you have to get rid of it. It's worth it to spend the money to get rid of it. Walk around to the concession stands, checking out the seats. You get a list from your operations department of some of the issues going on in the ballpark. Then you're with your baseball people and you're talking about roster construction. The decisions have been made in the last weekend, right before you break camp. The expression is, who are you breaking camp with? Who are you going north with? We were a team that went south. We go south after spring training. Who are you bringing south? 
We've spoken to you on many shows about how decisions are made during the collective bargaining negotiations a year ago. One of the big takeaways, one of the things the players really wanted is let's get the best players on teams as quickly as possible. No more STM. STM is my jam. I love service time manipulation. I love service time manipulation because that is called controlling your expenses. It's controlling the cost of goods sold. Take the human part out. Don't think that I am wiry and robotic. Just assume that I'm just like your boss, trying to figure out how to get the most out of the people I have while paying them the least. The players union was unhappy with that. So they said, we've got an idea. Let's make it so even if you don't bring up players right in the beginning, at the end, we're going to pretend as though you did bring them up at the beginning. So then teams are going to say, screw it. We'll just bring them up at the beginning because it'll be worth it. And I've told you that there is no team who is changing their behavior right now. Not one. Don't give me that the CBA is working because Jordan Walker was is going to make the Cardinals team at 20. Don't tell me the CBA is working and teams are not manipulating service time because Anthony Volpe is the starting shortstop for the New York Yankees. And I'm not going to tell you that it's not working because Brett Batty and Mark Vientos of the Mets were sent down. I'm telling you it's not working because I know exactly what's going on inside the rooms where the teams are making decisions about whether or not a player is going to make the team or not. Because here's the interesting part. Just because there are new rules that give a player full service time, even if he's called up late, if that player has a hugely successful season, our point of view is, great, we need to put the player in the best position possible to have that successful season. Are we doing anything special if we're the Cardinals by bringing Jordan Walker and having him here now if he's not ready? We'll just send him down for a month once he stinks. And then he's not going to get the service time. You don't put players on your team because of a line in a collective bargaining agreement or some sort of motivational provisions in a collective bargaining agreement. You look at whether or not the player is physically and mentally ready to be a big leaguer. Hard stop. So keep reading those tweets. Keep sending them out and keep thinking to yourself that everything's working, that the union is super happy and that the owners are crossing their legs and their toes and their fingers and the GMs are handcuffed and pissed off because they're calling up players prematurely. It's not happening that way at all. Will Volpe be ready? We're going to find out. Walker, is it good if he's not playing the field? Do they want a 20-year-old DHing? I find it all mighty interesting. Billy Epler runs the Mets purportedly, and he had an interesting statement about when he sent his guys down. And I could not possibly agree with Billy Moore. When you make your cuts, you say to the players who are on the bubble, who are staying in your system, who are going down to AAA, you say to them, here's the business of baseball. We don't have a spot for you right now, but you better not cry in your pants. Get down there. And be ready because it's going to happen. Find me a team without a transaction and I'll find you a fantasy team. 
There are transactions as soon as the first day of the season. I've had seasons where we had players get hurt in the warm-up off day before opening day. So we had an opening day roster. All of a sudden, there's a guy, BP, I forgot who it was, gets hurt, has to go on the injured list. And one of the guys who didn't make the team is all of a sudden being introduced on the opening day roster. It happens. The types of injuries that we're talking about, the types of decisions, there are reasons that have nothing to do with the CBA. Think about what the Yankees are going through right now. I laughed. I did an interview yesterday on ESPN New York with Anita Marks, and I didn't mean to. So to all of the Yankee fans out there, I was just kidding. I'm not laughing at Luis Severino having a lat strain. It doesn't give me pleasure that the Yankees do not have depth of pitching or that they spend so much money on Rodon and he's not going to be able to start the season. And they traded so many assets for Frankie Montas and he's likely out through the all-star break. And that Severino, God knows when he's going to come back, if he ever comes back. And the assumption was, hey, we've got a good enough pitching staff. And then you pitch Garrett Cole opening day. And then you look at day two and it's, it's, it's Lewis and Clark, Schmidt, followed by Domingo Herman, followed by Coca, followed by me. I get why teams make decisions to sign their own players. It sounds so good. Fans love it. Media loves it. Lock up those guys. Let's lock up Aaron Hicks. Let's get Severino signed. It's the great move. Tampa does it. Everyone loves it. It's the new thing. Teams sign young guys. The Rays are doing it, and they're the smartest front office around. We should copy that. Teams who do it, do it because they want cost certainty and they want protection on the downside. And that may sound counterintuitive because if you sign a player to a guaranteed contract who you don't need to sign, who could just go through the arbitration process and then become a free agent, and you're wrong about that player, you are paying that player an amount of money he does not deserve. But if that player is really good and your scouts were right and that player is going to be a superstar, if you give him guaranteed money early, once he's a superstar, he can't go to arbitration and get 10, 15, 20 million dollars. He gets exactly the amount that was in the contract. You are basically capping your downside by signing some of these players. If I were ever in charge of the Yankees or the Dodgers or teams who had the ability to take their mistakes and wash them off their shoulder like dandruff, what do I need cost certainty for? I was in a position where mistakes I made could cost your team two years of production if you sign a free agent who stinks. These teams with those higher payrolls, that's the inequity. That's what the Economic Reform Committee needs to address is the, the net that exists for the large market teams does not exist for the small market teams, which makes the risk profile different, which makes the decisions different, which actually widens the gap further. So what do you think Brian Cashman does when Hal Steinbrenner gives him a call? says, hey, man, I got to tell you, I don't love our number two starter. And Cash says, well, our number two starter is actually not our number two starter. Let me explain one more time, Hal. I know you know this. The people who pitch opening day or game two or game three or game four or game five, we have to start somewhere. But once the season starts, there's off days, there's injuries, stuff that happens, rainouts. 
your pitching is not set again until after the All-Star break. And I promise you that our rotation after the All-Star break is first five, will not be the first five of the season. I'm trying to think of a season where my team ever had the same rotation. And this is not because of fire sales or because of midseason trades. It's because every team does the same thing. You set up your first five and then you let the season play and you figure it out game by game. You're looking series by series. You're sitting with your pitching coach. You're sitting with your development people. You're monitoring what's happening on the minor league side. You're talking to the trainers about the injured players. You are trying to fit pieces into a jigsaw puzzle and you hope that when you're done with the meeting, it doesn't say the question mark or even worse, O, opener, God forbid, B, bullpen. You want to have depth in starting pitching. Everyone makes a big deal. It got released this past weekend. Who the opening day starters were and all the great matchups. And let's get excited for March 30th. I mean, where else can you see Logan Webb against Garrett Cole? These are two number one starters for San Francisco and New York. And the Mets are coming to Miami. And they're sending out Max Scherzer. They did, they revealed that Max Scherzer was the number one starter. That's got to be a way to see victory for us, that Max Scherzer was pitching opening day. Avs could actually set it up where you can have a, one guy open the season and one guy do the home opener. But everybody knows that the season opener is way more prestigious than the home opener. When it's the same thing, that's just great. Those are for 15 teams opening at home. But for the 15 teams on the road, they get two cracks at it and they get to say to Scherzer and to Verlander, hey, we split it up. We gave one the opener and we gave one the home opener. It's great. It's great theater. Try to reveal and Buck Showalter saying well, we should do a number one reveal party with a golf ball or a pinata. But what's actually going on inside the front offices when you're deciding is you are looking at your team and you are saying, as long as it's not Mark Hendrickson, we're okay. Mark, do not be offended. It's a ranking. When I'm ranking my 18 opening day starters, you were the one who was, you know, probably not. I'm proud that you got it. You should remember that you always got it. But it's not personal, obviously. But man, look at some of these teams and what they're starting and say to yourself, you don't have better. But there are some good matchups. You excited to watch Jacob DeGrom open for Texas Rangers? He made it to opening day. The owner of Texas is so happy. There was the problem in the beginning of spring training when DeGrom was hurt and everyone said, oh, it's the same old, same old. Guess what? This is not what we're counting. Jacob DeGrom needs to get 30 starts a year for five years. That's 150 starts. We have a way to see somewhere. We have something somewhere that said Jacob DeGrom will not get 150 starts over five years, but him getting the first start we're going to say, wow, that's such a good start. That's PR. That's what you do. It's a just unmitigated disaster if he couldn't make the first start. And we'll worry about whether he makes second, third, fourth, or fifth start later. We go around as an exercise. We would play this every year. Coke, I didn't even tell you this. So whenever I had this with Larry Bindfest, with Mike Hill, with Dan Jennings, every time those were GMs who I worked with, we would sit opening day before the crowds would come, before the gates would open. And we would go through all the pitching matchups. We'd always watch the first game of the year together. Like if first pitch was at 105 for the, and our game was at 410 or whenever it was. Either way, we would watch the first pitch of the season together. And we would go through the matchups, the opening day matchups. And we would count the number of 
aces, not opening day starters. There is confusion out there of the excitement of what an opening day starter means. An opening day starter is not an ace. I can go down the list. We had a very different definition than you may have had as an ace. And here was our definition. An ace is a pitcher who on any given day will continue a winning streak, stop a losing streak, and win a winner-take-all game because the team they're playing in a winner-take-all game looks at the fact that that person is pitching and says, we likely don't have a chance. And the pitcher pitching against the ace says, I better be perfect and not give up a run because my offense is not going to be able to score against that pitcher. Those things are the attributes of an ace. Do you think the San Francisco Giants right now are looking at Garrett Cole pitching for the Yankees and saying, you know what? We can't beat this guy. We have no chance to beat him. We better do not. Logan Webb saying, I can't give up a run. Garrett Cole gave up the most home runs of anybody last year. They're not saying that. What about the Mets? You think they're talking about Alcantara? Damn right they are. You think Scherzer is saying to himself, I got to be perfect because it's possible that our great lineup, our Mets lineup, will not get a run off Sandy? That's an ace. You think Philadelphia is nervous? Aaron Nola doesn't want to give up runs because the lineup can't score against DeGrom? Yeah, that's an ace. Let's keep going. What about the first guy starting for the Dodgers, first opening day start, Urias, the guy who ended the 2020 World Series out of the bullpen? Zach Gallon, the former Marlin, starting for the Diamondbacks. Are any of those aces? No, Urias is a good pitcher. No ace. How about White Sox, Astros, Dylan Cease, Framber Valdez? Exciting matchup. Aces? Nope. Shane Bieber, Luis Castillo. Great pitchers, opening day starters. Aces? Nope. There are not 30 aces. That's all I want you to take away from this. Just know there are not 30 aces. Doesn't mean your team's bad. Doesn't mean you shouldn't be excited for opening week. I'm so excited. I can't wait to watch it. But aces are hard to come by. When you make a trade during the course of a season, you do it for one of two reasons. One, you are shedding payroll. Two, you are adding payroll as you try to go for it. The NBA is no different. When trades were made and all those crazy was, uh, Coco, was the NBA the trade deadline where 10% of the league changed teams? I would have, for whatever reason, I have that in my head and I have no idea why. That was a stat that I likely made up. It just felt that way with all the tons of trades that happened. One trade that we focused on was Kyrie Irving going to the Dallas Mavericks. And I said that day, and we, we, we own all our episodes, so they're still right there in our feed. Go back and find it. I said right then and there, the Dallas Mavericks have just made the biggest mistake of Mark Cuban's egomaniacal career, which has included a championship, which I give him all the credit in the world for. But if you think that bringing Kyrie Irving to match with Luka was going to be the stuff that dreams are made of, that they were going to go full Hall and Oates and start singing songs, you are badly misunderstanding what having Kyrie Irving on your team is. And guess what? No one misunderstands now. The Dallas Mavericks are in trouble. And I don't mean the type of trouble where someone loses freedom. 
I'm talking about the type of trouble where someone loses a job. The Mavericks since Kyrie Irving's trade are below 500. The Mavericks since Kyrie Irving's trade, he's only played with Luka for 10 games, nine games together, not a winning record. The Dallas Mavericks have Luka suspended for a game tonight because he's gotten 16 technical fouls because he's so frustrated. Fine 35 grand thinking the referees are being paid to make bad calls, having no chemistry with Kyrie. Can you imagine Mark Cuban watching his team be double-digit favorites over the Michael Jordan-led Hornets and losing both games? Can you imagine trading for Kyrie and going all in for Kyrie, trading all those picks, all that stuff, and actually not even making the play-in tournament? That's the way jobs are lost. All Luca could say is, it's really frustrating. I think you can see it with me on the court. Sometimes I don't feel it's me. I'm just being out there, you know? I used to have fun smiling on the court, but it's just been so frustrating for a lot of reasons, not just basketball. Interesting. Why would Luca be saying that? Trouble off the court, do we think? Family trouble? How about clubhouse trouble? Locker room trouble? How about the fact that maybe the superstar that was brought in to be his partner is neither a superstar nor his partner? Kyrie has had a few comments. Let's just say that uh, he doesn't really take into account fans too much. He had one of those normal comments where, hey, you're going to wake up in the morning and still be you. I get to wake up and still be a very well-paid superstar. That's a popular one. Jason Kidd's being forced to talk, the coach, trying to hold on for dear life to his job, trying to say it's not over. It's okay that Luke is speaking his mind. We're going to do whatever we can to get that smile back. You all made fun of me. Yeah, you didn't make fun of me. You questioned me. You all said for sure that Mark Cuban consulted Luca before they traded for Kyrie and that Luca was for sure good with that trade. Therefore, if Luca ever gets sour or angry, they get to go back to Luca and say, hey, Luca, you likey. You said you wanted him and we did this for you, Springsteen. For you, for you, I came for you, but you did not. And I told you, come on, that's not how Cuban rolls. Did you like that? Cuban rolls, cigars. Did you get it? Is it too early in the morning live on a Monday? Not too early for me. What's going to happen with the Mavericks? Well, you have two choices when you make a trade deadline deal that goes bad. You can double down and make it worse, or you can acknowledge you made a mistake and cut your losses. If the Mavs sign Kyrie Irving after this season as a way to justify the trade, as a way to justify in their own mind the amount of assets that they sent to get Kyrie Irving, they are doubling down on the mistake, and that is the end. That is how you are guaranteed to lose. But the ego is so strong in owners and presidents and GMs. Do you know how hard it is to release a player you've signed to a big free agent deal who sucks? And when you release them and the media looks at you and says, that's going to be on your ledger and you know it's right. 
it is way easier to just keep Garcia and have Marlins fans say, hey, he'll get better, won't he? We have to tell people that we spent money correctly. We can't spend money and then release the player, then have no money to replace the player because then we're going to stink even more. This is real. This is what's going on in a front office. When it comes time at the end of the season to figure out what to do with Kyrie, they are praying. If there are any rosary beads of any kind or any little star or cross or whatever it is, whatever God you may pray to, wherever he, she, or they may be, you want Kyrie to knock on the door and say, Mark, I just want to tell you how appreciative I am. I loved being in Dallas for a few minutes, but I've gone ahead and I've cut a deal to play in Los Angeles. Hallelujah. I'm happy to take the heat of the assets I traded for a guy who wanted to not be here. We gave it a shot. It didn't work. He went on to another team. Washing my hands. As opposed to the, hey, Mark, great season. Uh, what do you mean, Kyrie? We didn't even make the play-in tournament. Yeah, I know, but I'm telling you, it's so much better around here. I love the PlayStations. I love your clubhouse. I love the team travel. I gave that an A. Everything's coming up roses. This was awesome. And he's smiling his smile. So listen, I was just saying, I'm ready. And you don't even have to offer me the max, but don't embarrass me. But, you know, offer me four years at $180 million. And I'm, I'm in right now. And Mark says, well, wait a minute. Are you sure? And then he goes back and speaks to his GM and his coach and says, we are screwed. We're going to have to sign Irving just to make it as though this trade was okay. So sad. We're going to be so bad again. That's what's going on in the front office. I, you know, when a trade deadline deal goes bad, just eat it. Do you know how many bad trade deadline deals I did that I had to eat? Almost all of them. Because if you don't win after trying to win at a deadline deal, then you've made a bad deal, period. When you trade for six months of somebody or three months of somebody and you give up six years of a player or even longer and your team doesn't do well, it's a bad deal. How come no one ever complains to me? This is a good one, Coca. I traded Chris Paddock for Fernando Rodney, traded God knows how many other people at the deadline. Carlos Lee, we got at the deadline, didn't work out. Plenty of people didn't work out. How come no one complains that I traded Adrian Gonzalez? Do you know who Adrian Gonzalez is? Adrian Gonzalez ended up being one of the most productive players in Major League Baseball. Do you remember? First baseman, hitter, Adrian Gonzalez, Padres, Dodgers, nothing, nobody. Okay. He was a Marlin. Traded him for Ugeth Urbina to the Texas Rangers. Remember around the Rangers? He became a superstar. But how come no one says that was a bad trade deadline deal? Oh, because Urbina helped us to the World Series and won a ring? I would trade Mickey Mantle in return for a player who helped me win a ring. Guess what? So would every other GM. If you guarantee a ring, we would trade anybody in our system, the number one prospect, the number two prospect, the number three prospect, trade them all to bring in a bullpen arm who saves games and we win the World Series. If you knew for sure, piece of cake. All right, when we come back, 
we are going to review a show that you have to watch. And then we're going to talk about what's going on in Arizona. And it's not Zach Gallen and the Diamondbacks. We'll be right back. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SAMSON. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SAMSON. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. It's David Sampson, Matthew Coca, day one of Metalark. If you're watching us live, you notice there were no CBS commercials in there. True, but we don't have the Metalark commercials yet, so it was just like a seven-second wipe that had her name on it. We'll get there, Metalark. Dear Metalark, if you're listening, we're going to need some inserts if you want on YouTube. Take control. Monetize it. Let's go. In the meantime, if you're listening... Then you heard a bunch of commercials, so thank you for coming back. Those are now metal art commercials. I don't know if they're different than what CBS was putting in, but I would assume so. Totally. But please tell your friends, keep this momentum going. We're having fun. Day one. I mean, this is good. Here we go. I watch a movie every single day. I review a movie every single day. I watch series as well. I finished this weekend, Daisy Jones and the Six. Everybody's talking about it. If you're not talking about it, then you're under a rock. If you haven't started watching it, start right now. 10 episodes starring Riley Keough, Elvis Presley's granddaughter. 
It stars Camila Marone, used to be known as Leonardo DiCaprio's ex-girlfriend, who he dumped when she turned 25 and he got criticized for it, thinking that he thought that she aged out of the relationship. Starring Sam Chalfin, who you may remember from Hunger Games or Me Before You, which is a great movie if you haven't seen it. I watched it, but I don't think I've reviewed it. I think I watched it before we started Nothing Personal. Stars Camille, by the way, is Al Pacino's sort of stepdaughter who plays the wife of Billy Dunn in Daisy Jones and the Six. This is a book, and the book was made into a series. And the actors in the series form a band. It's loosely based on Fleetwood Mac. You can go your own way. Rumors, one of the best albums of all time, start to finish. There's not one bad song on the album. I'm never going back again. I would never say that, never say never. A lot of history there with Lindsey Buckingham and Stevie Nicks, and they try to manifest that through the relationship between Daisy Jones and a band called The Six. Suki Waterhouse is in that band, Bradley Cooper's ex-girlfriend. So a lot of interesting people that they put together, they put them all to band camp, not with Jason Biggs or Allison Hannigan, and they came out as singers of a real band, and they've released a real album. They're going to go on a real tour. Wait for it. Amazon is going to set up a tour for these actors if they can coordinate their schedule. This wasn't lip syncing. These people recorded an album. It's outstanding. The show is a documentary about this group 20 years after the group broke up. The guy from The Girl Next Door, Timothy Oliphant, Elephant, Oliphant, don't know how to pronounce his last name. He plays the tour manager. You are going to cry. You are going to laugh. You are going to sing. And you are going to be so happy that you watch Daisy Jones and the Six. You can thank me later. You can thank me now. It doesn't matter. But I'll see you when we go on tour, when they go on tour, and we go to the concerts. We're definitely doing it. I was so sad when it ended. Ten episodes. It's not like there's a season two. It's it. That's the book. What kind of series ends that's based on a book and then keeps going even though there's no more books? Like, what, do they just make it up? Or they hire someone to write what would be the next step in the world of the people whose world ended because the author stopped the book? I mean, you'd have to be ridiculous. I mean, you'd have to be so stupid to take a popular series and then somehow do a follow-up series that is based on something that the original author had nothing to do with. What network would ever do that? Coca, do I actually have to say what I was talking about or do you think people get it? I think you could, you can just put it like a graphic up or something. Once we get into Metal Arc Studios and we're not remote like this, you'd just put a graphic up that would be like this big thing, Game of Thrones with an X through it or an X through the new thing. I know, right? Coca's so pissed about the extra season of Game of Thrones that was so bad. Like it hurts him as well it should. That's why there's no going to be Daisy Jones in the six part two re reunited and it feels so good. I would sing that going into owners meetings because sometimes you don't see owners except four times a year. And so you'd walk in and I'd go full peaches and herb and I'd walk past them in the bar and, and say, yeah, I'll have a double, triple shot of triple sec. Sit there and sing reunited. <laughs> I always like the owner's meeting 
where the commissioner was getting a new deal. Because that meant that every one of the top dog owners were showing up. George Steinbrenner doesn't show up anywhere until Bud Selig's getting another deal. Artie Moreno, he shows up when it's time for a new deal. In football, I wonder who doesn't show up to owners meetings because not all owners go to all owners meetings. That's a little known fact there, Normie. But when it comes time to re-up Roger Goodell, Jerry Jones stands there and says as member of the compensation committee, I highly recommend that we give Roger Goodell $100 million a year up from the 67 that he was making. Because did you see what he's had to go through with a bunch of idiots in this room? Do you realize how bad there could have been PR about us and he took it all? This guy is the number one cleaner. He just stands there getting shot with arrows and slings and mud. And we get to look great. Meanwhile, Dan Snyder's got his head under the desk. David Tepper's got his hands over his head. Jerry Jones is saying, look, no one's talking about the fact that we haven't won in 20 years. How great is that? (laughs) Hey, the person in Seattle, they haven't figured out that I got to sell the team yet. This is great. It's so ridiculous in this day and age. Are you telling me that that's really what these commissioners are doing and that's what they're being paid these tens and twenties and thirties of millions to do? Come on. They're being paid because they run a huge business. You want to know the amount of money Roger Goodell is making? It's the same amount that the chairman and president of Goldman Sachs or Morgan Stanley or Pfizer pick any huge company with billions and billions of dollars of revenue. Why is that person in that position? Because of the job that that person does in managing its shareholders, those are the owners in Roger's case, and in building the business so that the shareholders make money. And when shareholders make money, guess who else makes money? People on the board. That's how it works. They're gonna announce at this owner's meeting that Roger Goodell has been extended and people are gonna say, ooh, I can't believe how much money he makes. When I first spoke to Rob about his first contract when he was getting voted into being a commissioner and we talked about what he should be asking for and how many years and how many millions, Roger Goodell was where you want to get to. It's not where you start. Adam Silver, David Stern, where you want to get to, not where you start. And as time goes on, as Rob continues to be commissioner, we'll see what happens with another deal, whether he stays. Roger Goodell, they didn't think he'd continue to stay. He's about the age that the previous commissioners, I think Tagliabue and Roselle, et cetera, stopped being commissioners. But he's still good, still energetic. And still wants, why wouldn't he? Who wouldn't want to do a job where you're being paid 60 plus million dollars a year, especially when you don't need to wear a helmet and get hit by guys running a 4-4 coming at you at 300 pounds? Even if that's the case, you're going to want your $60 million. I'm talking to you, Aaron Rodgers. But if really you get to put on a suit and sit in a chair in the basement and get booed from time to time, hell yeah, sign me up. Everyone's further waiting somehow for the commanders to get sold to Jeff Bezos, including me. It's a wait to see. Is that going to be announced this time? They're making it so clear in the leaks and the comments that the commanders are not on the agenda. And then you hear the side leaks, which are, but they're going to be talked about. 
An agenda is a formal document under the rules of incorporation of these teams and of the league that in order for something to be discussed in a properly called board meeting, which is what these owners meetings are, it has to be noticed. And when notice is given to leagues about the agenda of an owner's meeting, you might as well give it right to the media because they get it immediately. If something is not noticed, the only way it can be brought up is with something called unanimous consent. Do you think there will be unanimous consent in the room to talk about Daniel Snyder? Do you think there will be unanimous consent to add something to the agenda? All Danny Boy has to do is say, nope, and that's it. There can be nothing of action or of consequence done in the meeting about the commanders. So it's not even a question. The commander's sale is not on the agenda, will not be put on the agenda. However, when there are the council meetings, the side committee meetings, believe me, the future of the commanders and what they're going to do to Dan Snyder if he does not get his ass in gear and get this team sold before the start of next year, they are going to cajole and threaten him into realizing that they've got the votes. It's a politics game. What's going on behind the scenes is way cooler than what's going on in front of the camera of these meetings. Tanya will not be able to leave these meetings without being having it made clear that there are enough votes to get rid of you and Danny Boy. Do you get what I'm saying? You can say you want to wait for Jeff to sell the Washington Post. You can say you don't like the order of Tillman Fertitta. You can say you don't like the order, uh, offer from Josh Harris. I don't care. Get it done. Dan Snyder is in the bottom of the ninth inning as an owner of the Commanders, and everyone knows it but him. What about the rule changes? I love that. Love all the rule changes that are being talked about. The one that interests me the most is about the replay and about roughing the quarterback. I get it. I don't want my quarterbacks hurt. I don't want to have San Francisco playing with their third string, fourth string wide receiver playing quarterback. I get it. There's going to be a rule change that's going to allow an inactive third quarterback to be activated in the third quarter. If you lose the first two quarterbacks, that change went away. That rule has to come back. What about the rule of roughing the passer? What about when the referees are calling roughing the passer when you touched his toenail and it's 15 yards? What does the defense do? That is going to be looked at. I don't think they've got the votes right now to make roughing the passer reviewable. And I think that's a bunch of horse hockey. If you are not explaining to owners that our game, not baseball, that the game inside the owners meetings, that our game is hurt by the fact that referees have in their quiver the ability to call a roughing penalty that seems as though it is hurting the integrity of the game that all of us get hurt. Make it reviewable. Bring it upstairs. Let someone look and say, wow, that really was not roughing. Because then when roughing actually happens, what does it become a double major like in hockey? And roughing with just one finger on the chest, that's a minor. Maybe you make it a five-yard penalty or a 15, like face masks. Either it's a personal foul or not. Maybe that should be the rule. But something's got to be replayed and they're saying they don't have the votes. That bothers me. They should have the votes. It also bothers me that we lost our pick of the day. 
on Friday. I had Alabama seven and a half over San Diego State. What I should have had was San Diego State going to the final four. That would have been a better pick on Friday. I'm thankful as well as CBS and everybody else out there that Alabama's out of the tournament. No more having to make excuses as to why they're in the tournament to begin with. What a crazy final four. CBS is jumping up and down, clicking their heels, and they're saying, hey, we're not in Kansas anymore. We're in South Florida. Bum, bum, bum. I am happy as can be that the Hurricanes are in the final four. I can't believe how cool it is that FAU is in the final four. I can't believe how not cool it is for people around the country if there's an FAU Miami final game. Do you know that in baseball, they didn't root for a subway series or a highway? What would they call it when the Giants and the uh, Dodgers and the Angels would be in a series? Highway 4 or 10 or the 10 or the 110 or take the 110 to the 10 e 2069, whatever it was. It's very limiting. Right. Most people don't give a flying rat's ass that it's New York against New York if they don't live in New York. Ideally, you'd want Japan against U.S. Dodgers, Yankees, even Yankees, Red Sox is more general in its love, more not general, notional, national. What's something like neighborhood? What's the damn word, Coca? Regional. Thank you. God, it's you sound different now. Did Metal Art get you a new um, microphone? I did not get new anything. It's just the stuff I bought. You know what? I think we can expense it. I'm going to call Stu Gotts and ask him whether or not we're allowed to expense stuff that we already bought after the fact. I think he's probably the perfect one to ask, isn't he? He's probably done all of those things, totally expensed everything. The question is, is it in such disarray at Metal Arc, Stu, that we can expense things like five times? No, I would never do that. Can we take our per diem when we travel and still put in our receipts for the food? Come on, Stu. You got to teach me because nothing personal may end up on the road here once in a while. All right, we're 42 and 41. Isn't it amazing there's no number one, two, or three seeds? They've all lost. That's unbelievable. It's a 5-9 and a 5-4. Who had that in the bracket? If you had, just contact me. Get to me on Twitter and show me proof of a submitted bracket of San Diego against FAU and Miami against UConn. There is no chance that anyone had that. I don't really care if you're seeing stats on the, inter on the interweb. 25 people out of 22 million have this exact Final Four. Okay. Did they submit brackets with every possible combination for all of the games? Monday. Here's our pick tonight. We've got the MVPs battling in the NBA. You know, if we can just stay somewhat above water, even though we're above 500 right now, we do have a document that shows we're down money because we keep track of the money because it's all about the money. We're above 500 in picks, down in the money. Can't wait to start choosing baseball games helping you win some money, but I'm going to help you right now. The Nuggets are giving five to the Sixers tonight. Do you remember the Nuggets played the Bucks over the weekend and the Nugget, the Bucks and the Sixers and the Celtics are top in the East and the Nuggets are top with Memphis, I guess, maybe in the West, maybe the Sacramento Kings, maybe the Phoenix Suns. You got Embiid, Joel Embiid against Jokic for MVP. Everyone's talking about can Jokic win three MVPs in a row. It's hard to get motivated for every game in the regular season. And you speak to your players about this. It's hard. It's hard for them to not tune out their coach. Have you ever looked at timeouts? Have you ever looked at people talking to players during the course of a game or a match? It's hard. 
it's hard to hear the same voice day after day. And as the regular season is winding down, it's hard to stay focused as you are looking forward to the playoffs and what matters. The Nuggets are not fighting for the playoffs. The Sixers are not fighting for the playoffs. So this game would seem difficult for you, but it's not. The Nuggets are doing something far different. They are trying to get Jokic the third back-to-back-to-back MVPs. And on top of that, they want to finish the mini East sweep and make it as though the entire Eastern Conference says, do whatever you want. But when you reach us in the finals, you might as well enjoy second place. That's how you motivate for a regular season game, and the Nuggets will be motivated. Nuggets minus five over the Sixers. Just a reminder before we go, we are now starting today live five days a week at 8 a.m. So guess what? We'll see you tomorrow live at 8 a.m. And again, thank you to CBS for our start. Welcome to Meadowlark, Meadowlark Media. Lebetard and friends, we're here. It's just business. To all the other platforms who had a thought about getting nothing personal, it was nothing personal. Did you know a 2018 study showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? I'm Kat mother of three, and founder of Ritual. When I was four months pregnant, I couldn't find a prenatal I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested for heavy metals, and recently earned the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. But don't just take my word for it. Get 25% off at ritual.com podcast.